and to become skilled in. And one of the things that they say in the nine arts uh, material is that listening is our most important evangelistic tool. Listening is our most important evangelistic tool. The evangel is the good news. If we want to spread the good news to other people, the thing we need to come become expert in is not telling people stuff, but listening to them. That's one of the things that makes it so hard to share the gospel. Because when people think about hearing the good news from somebody, they assume that Christians have some sort of agenda. That there's some ulterior motive. They don't think that we care about them. That we're just trying to, I don't know, get some notches on our Bible or whatever it is. You know, to, How many people did I share the good news with? And they don't think we want to listen. I remember, this is probably maybe 14 years ago, Lena, uh, there was a guy on uh, Bascom Avenue. I don't know if any of you live out towards Campbell or that part of San Jose. And so Bascom and Hamilton, he used to set up this, this like 10-foot ladder and go up on the ladder and have a bullhorn and a sign and tell people that they needed to repent. I wonder how many people heard the good news from this guy. But that's the image that a lot of people have about Christians who are trying to share the good news. There's another guy, uh, maybe some of you know this guy, uh, Rainbow Band, who had an uh, a Afro wig with rainbow colors in it, and he would sit in the end zone and hold up a sign that said John 3.16. Do you remember this guy? Um, <clears throat> I, I still, it, it, there's still people who would do this now. I don't, I don't think it's the same guy, because he got put in jail for something else. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the reason that he did this, the reason he started out doing this, first he wore the wig, because he wanted to be noticed. He was trying to get on TV. And then he added the John 3.16 sign. So the problem is, was he really there to tell the good news, or was he just there to try to tell people something, to point attention to himself? The guy at Bascom and Hamilton, the image that most people have about Christians. Are we calling attention to ourselves? Are we really valuing people? We heard the story of this woman in Mark 5. Jesus is actually on his way to heal someone else, this uh, uh, synagogue ruler, Jairus, whose daughter is dying. Jesus is on the way. And so this woman says, I need healing. There's Jesus. He can heal me. She's had a medical problem that doctors could not cure. She, for 12 years, has been spending money on this medical problem until she is now broke. This is her last chance. Who else is going to heal her? And so she goes to Jesus and grabs out for the hem of his cloak and says, maybe if I could just touch something that's associated with Jesus, I might get healed. And guess what? She's healed. But then, what does Jesus do? 
surprising thing is he demands to know who touched him. And the disciples are all surprised. That, uh, Jesus, you see all the people who are crowding around? I mean, there was a lot more people than we had here, I'm sure. And, you know, can you imagine looking through a crowd here and saying, oh, who brushed up against me? But Jesus says, no, I know I felt some power go out from me. I want to know who it was. He seems to be singling out the woman like he wants to embarrass her. Embarrassment is often what keeps us from coming to Jesus, from letting people know that we need Jesus, that we need healing in our lives. Shame keeps us from coming forward. You know, one of the things that's happened in, uh, in kind of church uh, culture these days is it's kind of uh, not a great thing to have an altar call anymore. You know, in the old days, they used to have what we call an altar call. You know, uh, bow your head, close your eyes. Anybody who wants um, to know Jesus, raise your hand. I want you to come on forward. Uh, the famous line, the buses will wait, your friends will wait. You know, come on down, and people would come forward. Now they don't want to embarrass anybody. And so altar calls are uh, not in vogue anymore. Shame keeps us from coming forward. We don't want to shame other people. But what happens inside of us when we come clean? When we acknowledge before God and before others what our issues are, how we need healing? You know, it depends, really, what happens within us. It depends on how we're received. What's interesting in this story is that it says the woman tells Jesus the whole truth. She tells him all about herself. How she, you know, if you can imagine, I've had this condition for 12 years. I've spent all my money. I don't know where else to go. I've hit bottom. Now, she really has hit bottom. I'll explain a little more about this in a sec. But she has really hit bottom. What else does she have to lose? And so she says, I'm going to come clean with Jesus. Now, what could have happened? When somebody comes clean with you, or you come clean with other people, you say, oh, I did this terrible thing. Okay. What do you hope is going to happen? Yesterday, a bunch of the guys, eight of us, went up to City Team to participate in their Bags of Love program. The, the women did this three years ago. We're just playing catch-up. So we went up to City Team, and I had bought a bunch of stuff that uh, Eric Venable had said we're supposed to, we're supposed to uh, get and bring up there, and we're going to make sandwiches and stuff like that. And uh, we got up there and said, okay, we get everything out of the car? Okay, yeah, we got everything out of the car. And then I noticed something. Where's the peanut butter and jam? I had left the peanut butter and jam in my garage. I had forgotten to pack it, all right? And so when I came back home, and here's the thing, I say, what do I do? There is the evidence of my mistake sitting in the garage. Do I want to tell anybody that I forgot it? I, I told the guys, they know. But, you know, I'm going to tell my family? You know, what are they going to say? Now, that's a really small thing. 
But there are so many things in our lives that we don't want to admit to. Do we want to tell people about, you know, what we're afraid people will say about us? Do we want to tell people about our addictions? Do we want to tell people about the things that, you know, we have done wrong in the past? Are we willing to come clean? The thing that allows us to come clean in front of other people is when we know that we are going to be listened to. Jesus listened to this woman. And how do we know that he listened to her truly? What did he say at the very end? He says to her at the end of the story, after she has revealed everything about herself, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Isn't that what we all want to hear? I went, you know, when I came clean with Eric uh, Venable at City Team, I said, oh, and Eric, I forgot the peanut butter and jam. He goes, you know, I think we've got some more downstairs. No problem. We'll take care of it. I told him, okay, later I'm going to, you know, I'll get it to you. You guys can put it in your pantry for later. But he essentially said, go in peace. <laughs> Be freed from your suffering. You don't have to carry this on your conscience. You didn't stop everything, you know, because we had some. But we want to hear that. And the reason this is very important to this woman, I told you there was something more about her suffering. This woman is suffering from a condition that, for some reason, she just continues to have menstrual bleeding. And as long as she's having this bleeding, In Jewish society, she is considered unclean. She has to remove herself from polite company for 12 years. She wants desperately to be able to just associate freely with her friends, you know, to to go out to tea or whatever they did, you know, in Jewish days. She can't do any of that. That's why she's so desperate. That's why she spends all her money on this. And Not only is she considered unclean for polite company, she can't go to the temple. She cannot worship. She can't go to the synagogue. She is disenfranchised from the very core of what holds them together as a society. That's why she's suffering. She goes to Jesus, this famous rabbi, who is walking around, and not only his teaching is amazing, but people are seeing, wow, he heals people. People have been raised from the dead. I mean, this guy has God's power in him. And she goes, okay, maybe he can heal me. He does more than provide physical healing. See, you notice, when he said, who touched me, she had already been physically healed. What is it that she's really looking for? As a rabbi, he can come to her on the basis of everything that he knows about Scripture, the authority of his teaching, the authority of Scripture, and say to her, you are restored. You are once again part of not just polite company, but part of the worshiping community, part of the society that you have been yearning to be a part of for 12 years. He restores her. That's what it means when he says, go in peace. Shalom. Shalom is peace. Everything is restored. All the relationships are made right again. That's what she was looking for. 
And that's what Jesus pronounces for her. You know, when we say go in peace, like earlier I said, you know, the peace of the Lord be with you. And some of you kind of almost reflexively, you know, oh, and also with your spirit. It's a good thing. But it's not just a polite greeting. We are looking for this glimpse of the kingdom of God when all relationships are made right again. Our relationship with God, our relationships with each other, our relationship to the world. That's what we are looking for. That is Shalom. When we listen, when we truly listen to other people, we are restoring some of that shalom. You are offering to somebody that sense of you again have dignity in the eyes of God. I respect you. I love you. I accept you. And so does God. Listening is an expression of shalom. Those who feel ashamed will feel accepted. Those who were afraid will be blessed. And at, in going out with City Team yesterday, we saw this. One of the things that we did was we didn't just pass out the bags. They're called bags of love. But why are they bags of love? Because as we go, we would knock on a door and say, hi, we're from City Team, we've got a lunch for you. And the important thing that we really wanted to do was not give them a lunch, but was to listen to them, to talk with them. How are you doing? Do you have any needs? Eric gave us a little uh, orientation at the beginning and says, don't be afraid to ask them, what do you need? You may not be able to offer them what you think they need, but... That's not what they want to tell you. You don't need to raise them up to your comfort level. You just need to hear them out. And if you can provide something for them, great. If you can't provide it right now, just refer them to us later. You know, whatever. But listen to them. What do you need? And then we would close with, and how can I pray for you? This is what Jesus offered that woman. That relationship, not just on a physical basis, but on the spiritual, the deepest level, her relationship to God. How can I pray for you? That's what he was restoring for her. And so it lowered that sense of shame and embarrassment for her. She was willing to tell him everything about herself because he would say, go in peace. That's what we offer when we listen. How well do you listen? Are you a good listener? In, um, in the notes for uh, this particular uh, art of spiritual conversation, they noted 10 irritating habits. This is how you know you're not a good listener. Okay? These are the 10 irritating habits. Interrupting the speaker. Not looking at the speaker, rushing the speaker and making her or him feel like they're wasting your time, showing interest in something other than the conversation. Oh, yeah, but how about them warriors, right? Getting ahead of the speaker and finishing their thoughts, not responding to their request, saying, yes, but, as if you've already made up your mind, 
topping the speaker's story with, you know, that reminds me, or that's nothing. Let me tell you about forgetting what was talked about previously. And 10, asking too many questions about details. You know, think about that list. And, you know, as I read this list, I think, oh, man, I do this so often. Interrupting the speaker. Man, I'm so bad at that. Rushing people. Showing interest in something else. Even that last one, asking too many questions about details. That's irritating, you know? I didn't didn't want to tell you about that. But but you're asking about something else and trying to lead them on into something. I do that all the time. And part of our problem is when we do these things, they become habits. We just start doing them habitually. If we're going to learn not to do them, we have to check ourselves. I, I have this saying that choices become habits, habits become values, values become character. The things that you choose to do, they start becoming habits. And as we do them more and more habitually, they start becoming a value. Like, oh, I I should do that. And then they become a characteristic of our life. They say, oh, Steve, yeah, he's the one who interrupts people all the time. Or he's the one who asks too many detailed questions. If we're going to become good listeners, we have to start making those choices. We have to start... Stopping ourselves and you know checking ourselves. Oh wait, wait! I'm I'm interrupting the person, or I'm not paying attention, or you know I'm trying to top what they're saying. I got to stop. Oh wait, wait, wait! I I shouldn't be talking about that. Tell me again. What did you What did you want to tell me? We have to stop ourselves, and then that will become a characteristic. Otherwise, if we're not listening to people, that becomes characteristic of us. We're choosing to be self-centered rather than passing on the shalom of God. You know, uh, a couple months ago, we did a joint leaders lunch. And so one of the things that we did was uh, teach people some listening skills. It's called reflective listening. So I was sneaky, and in the bulletin, if you look in here, on the back of the announcements for Grace Community, is something called reflective listening. All right? So on the front, it says, what's happening at Grace Community? But on the back, it says, in every conversation, you have the opportunity to demonstrate that you've been listening well. If you don't take that opportunity, the conversation is likely to die out. A clear way to assure someone that you have heard them is to reflect back what you thought you heard them say. As you seek to understand people better through your listening, it is wise to begin with a humble, tentative opening, followed by a brief paraphrase of the feelings and ideas you thought you heard. Here are some example phrases to help you demonstrate that you have heard and are seeking to understand. And you've probably heard these before. So, if I'm hearing you right, right? and then you rephrase it. Or, let me make sure I'm tracking with you. You are, or you're saying you feel this. Is that right? Wow, you're really happy, upset. You you can put a feeling in there. What you really want me to grasp then is, okay, so these are all phrases that you can use. Which one of these sounds like your voice? Which one seems like something you could say? 
All right, look at the list. I want you to choose one right now. Okay, choose one. All right, now turn to the person next to you and say it to them. Okay, just practice saying it. All right, I'll give you a couple, you know, a couple seconds to do that. Go. Okay. Hey, you guys are having too much fun. Okay, you got to stop. All right. You just have to practice saying it. When, when you first start saying something like this, it sounds artificial, right? It's like, oh, you know, I, I don't normally say things like this. Uh, when we did this listening exercise in the lunch, you know, we started with, uh, well, we, we gave you, you know, like 10 minutes to really develop a conversation around this. So it takes some time. But you have to practice it in order for it to become something that feels natural. But if you choose to listen, if you choose to use a phrase like this, make one of those your own. If you choose that phrase and say, okay, I'm going to do that. The choice becomes a habit. The habit becomes a value. The value becomes characteristic of you. You become a listening person. Because what is the goal of listening? The goal of listening is to understand. To understand the other person. So that they'll really feel cared for and cared about. They'll feel respected and accepted. In the discussion guide for uh, this, this particular art of spiritual conversation, there's a story. Uh, one of the writers of, of uh, this curriculum Ask a young man named Victor this question. If I gave you 30 minutes to speak to a group of Christians on what not to do to have a spiritual conversation with you, what would you tell them? Okay, what not to do? Victor responded, without hesitation, I'd tell them, if you are not willing to listen to me, I am not going to listen to you. Every conversation I've ever had with Christians has been so one-sided. They want to do all the talking and expect me to do all the listening. So Doug, the writer here, reflected back on what he thought he'd heard Victor say. It sounds like your conversations with Christians have left you very frustrated because they never want to listen to you. Am I hearing you correctly? Victor replied, absolutely. And it ticks me off because it's quite obvious all they are concerned with is getting their point across. It comes across as arrogant and disrespectful. I end up wanting nothing to do with their religion because I would never want to become like them. Doug affirmed Victor for this passionate and authentic response and then asked him a follow-up question. I'm wondering if you have ever had a positive spiritual conversation with a Christian, and if so, what made it different? And he quickly responded, I've only ever had one, and it was because this Christian actually listened to me and asked me questions about what I believe. Doug asked him to clarify why this conversation stood out. His response was insightful. Because when he listened to me, I could tell he really cared about me. When you really listen, it shows that you really care.
We learned something about that at City Team yesterday. It was a, a great experience to do that and go out and care for people by listening to them, hearing their stories. And we heard a lot of different stories. There were some people who didn't want to talk. Maybe they thought, oh, they're Christians, you know, they don't care about me. But some people, they would stop and tell us, um, touch us. When you care for other people, not only do they feel cared for, but it changes you as well. So I asked some reflection questions. How much do I believe that I can tell everything to God and that he will listen and respond? Go in peace and be freed. Do you really think that God cares about you in that way? If God cares for you, then you can care for other people. And then ask yourself, how good a listener am I? How many of those irritating habits do I have? Or can I use one or two or three of these reflective listening expressions and use those well in conversation? will, Will I learn to do that? And they offer a challenge in the discussion guide says, go through the coming week without offering advice. Now, if you're a parent, this is going to be really tough, I know. (laughs) And there are times where you're probably going to have to give some sort of guidance, or, you know, you're kind of reneging on your responsibility as a parent. But especially in your conversations with peers, can you go through the coming week without offering advice? And when you feel like offering advice to a friend, to a coworker, to you know, fellow student at school, to a family member, talk to God about it. Why do I want to offer advice so much in this particular situation? See, the good news is good news, not good advice. God didn't tell us to go around giving advice to everybody. The good news is that Jesus has taken on himself our guilt, our shame. He has given us access to God. That's good news. And it's true for everybody, whether they're religious or not. They don't need advice on how to be more religious. They need to see that God loves and accepts them. The gospel is not, if you try hard enough, you'll be accepted by God. There's no quid pro quo between us and God. He doesn't owe us anything. No one can earn their way into the kingdom of God. No amount of advice is going to help somebody get into heaven. The advice that we do need comes afterward. Wow, that is great news. How do I express my gratitude to God? We talked about this last week on Trinity Sunday about how the members of the Trinity glorify each other. How can I glorify God? How can I make him more the center of my life? It's just like um, we're talking about how uh, the members of Trinity are in this love relationship with each other. And if you've ever been in love, and especially you guys, do you remember this? uh, Asking other people oh, man, I really like this girl. What do I do to show her how much I like her? Okay. Now, that's the kind of advice that you want, right? How can I show God how much I like him? How much can I make him the center of my life? What do I need to do? But not, 
you know, how do I get into God's good graces so that I can earn my way to heaven? That's, that's good advice. That's not good news. All right? So ask God, why do I want to give advice? What is it inside of me that's compelling me? Do I really understand how much you love me, God? Just take a moment with those questions and take on that challenge. And I'll give you a minute just quietly before God to see what God is saying to you. Listen to God and then respond to him in whatever way he is prompting you. Let's stand together. Each week at Grace Community, we say together the general confession. It's a way of coming clean before God. There's any way, any reason why we feel ashamed or embarrassed to do this. We also bring that to him and receive his love and his grace. So let's say these words together. Most merciful God, We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us and forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in your goodness. By the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord.